give honor to my family. My wife and my children are here tonight. My mother and father, grandmother and grandpa, and see some brothers. Glad you're here. I love you very much. Give honor to my bishop and pastor and this executive council. Each one of these men have and are playing a very unique part in my life, and I give them honor. There are also two very special elders that are here tonight, and while there are many, there are two that I would like to mention. It's so good to see Brother Howard here tonight and Brother Wayne McClain. And I give both these men honor. Thank God for you. All of the ministry, all of the pastors, youth council, and many, many friends. And love you very dearly. Praise God. Let's get into the word of the Lord. How about it? 127th Psalm. I can't say exactly that this is, this would have been my choice. But I've learned very quickly that it's just easier to to be obedient to the Lord. So thankful for the preaching we've heard this week. My God. Praise God. And I feel like every service has built on another, linked, knitted together. And I pray that we can continue that tonight. 127th Psalm. Verse number one, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Notice verse number four. As arrows, how many was paying attention last night? Praise God. Thank you, Brother Tiller. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children. Somebody say children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. Speaking of the children, speaking of the babies. The babies shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. The Living Bible says, children born to a young man are like sharp arrows to defend him. That man shall have help when he's contending with his enemies in the gate. The word speak there in verse number five is not a passive word in any sense. It's very, it's very, it's an aggressive word. 
It literally means to destroy or subdue. But they shall destroy, speaking of the children, the babies. They shall destroy or subdue the enemies in the gate. Matthew chapter 16. One very familiar verse there in the 16th chapter of Matthew, verse number 18. If you're you're there, shout amen. You guys are quiet, you make me nervous. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not. And the gates of hell shall not. Somebody shout, shall not. Prevail against it. My God, some of you acting awful subdued right now. You've been pulling your hair out, confused, frustrated, fretting. Come on. You come to this meeting so discouraged, down in the dumps and mully grubs, not knowing if you could make it another day. But the word of God just spoke to you, and it said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And might I just add something to this. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the 21st century church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of 2010. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the last days. Hallelujah. Come on. If you believe that, I want you to give God praise right now. Shall not. Shall not. Shall not. My God, if it's appropriate, I wish you'd just grab somebody by the arm and look them in the eye right now and just shake them a little bit and say, shall not. Shall not. Shall not. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. If you had asked me a couple of years ago, if I would have had the choice at what particular time that I would have chose to live in, possibly then my answer would have been I would have loved to have lived close proximity the happenings of the three and a half years of the ministry of Jesus Christ. But the longer we rock on and the more I've thought about it, I've changed my mind. It would have been very exciting and exhilarating to live in those days, but I believe, I believe and am very confident that God is not just strategically placed me in this day, but this is the day that I would have chose to live in. Brother Marks, what about all the trouble? What about all the hell? What about the economic situation? What about the presidency? What about the White House? What about Washington? Well, that's, that's, that's besides the fact. I understand the day and hour that we are living in. 
Let the devil say what he wants to say. Let politics do what politics wants to do. Let the president do what the president's going to do. We need to wake up and realize, folks, who's in control of this thing. And it's not the White House. Hallelujah. Well, I believe we ought to take a stronger stand than ever before against Hollywood. I've got news for you. Hollywood's not controlling the church. I am thankful, and I mean what I'm fixing to say without any hesitancy in my voice. I am thankful and very proud to be a part of the 21st Apostolic Holy Ghost filled, godly, separated church. I want to know before I go any further, are there any young people that's excited about being a part of the Apostolic Church? And I've come to serve notice on every devil in hell and remind him of a word that he knows very well. The Bible says, and we are living in the fulfillment of that prophecy, that the love of many shall wax cold and that there would be a great falling away. But I want every devil in hell to understand not everybody's compromising, not everybody's walking away from the truth. Not everybody's backsliding. Come on. Are there any young people that's leaving Pete with a greater determination to make it all the way? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know you know this, but I must reestablish it because of little thoughts that has been messing with the minds of God's people. Let me explain something to you. The church is not in trouble. I know you've been in a financial mess, but hear the man of God right now. The church is not in trouble. The church is not on its way down. The church is not shaking. My God, I wish there was somebody still believe like this. Hallelujah. The church is all right. The church is stronger than it's ever been. He's still Lord of Lords. He's still King of Kings. He's still the Alpha and the Omega. Hallelujah. 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 Well, what about the falling away? Well, what about the prophet Isaiah that said of his increase, his kingdom, the increasing of his kingdom? Big deal about the falling away. What about the ones that are still contending and moving forward in this last day revival? The church is the only thing that's predestined to win. That's why I can preach what I'm preaching right now. Because I know, I've read the book, young people, and I know, regardless of what your parents are doing, regardless of your aunts and uncles that are compromising, regardless of your friends and their parents that have stood against your pastor and stood up against your pastor, you better hear what I'm telling you. The church is going to win. Let me get in the mind of a precious young person in this place that has come to this place so burdened down because you live in homes where you have family that don't think twice about slandering the pulpit and the devil's got you concerned about the church because people are walking away. Can I tell you, go home with your head up. The church is all right. 
the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. If you believe that, would you shout it out of your guts? It's going to be all right. Am I doing all right? Let me preach to a pastor's kid. Let me preach to a pastor's side, a daughter, that your lifestyle has been cramped because your dad has taken stands on doctrine and taken stands on separation. And you lay in your bed at night wondering, is it really worth it? Are we going to be okay? Let me tell you something, baby. Hold your head up high. God is going to be your daddy's shield and is exceeding great reward. And so, it seemed like some of the conversations that I've been in as of late has been the pressure, the financial stress, the confusion, the voices, the emerging church, the wolves that are among us, the praying wolves that are among us. I don't care how many letters they got out on the end of their name. The Bible says if they come preaching any other gospel. Let them be a curse. And young person, if you don't want to be cursed, you better disconnect from your... You better take them off as your friend. You better change your email address. You better quit texting them because they're cursed. Well, it's not relevant anymore. Why? How do they know what's relevant? We're dealing with the relevancy. We're dealing with depression and oppression. And, 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 and if we're not careful, we look at all of the things that are going wrong and all the things that are coming against us. But real quick, before I hurry into what I want to preach tonight, let me just stop and explain something to you. My response to all of the problems and all of the things that are coming against us is this. If the church is predestined to win, that tells me that God has equipped her with the things that it's going to take to overcome these attacks. Hallelujah. If the church is predestined to come out on top, the head and not the tail, that explains to me that God has put in within the church the things that it's going to take to overcome the evil one. I want to ask you a question. What about the altar? What about the prayer room? Oh, you're not going to help me, are you? Don't talk to me about the financial mess. God equipped us with what it's going to take to overcome it. What about offering time? We can't just let the offering plate go by us and throw a dime and a nickel in it. We can't leave the altar area. We can't leave it open and vacant. We can't afford to have church and pastor close his Bible and pray a dismissal prayer and everybody go home. We can't afford to shut the prayer rooms down. We can't afford to turn the buses off. Are you hearing me somebody? The church is predestined to win, but we've got to engage the weapons that God has given us.
talk to me about the emerging church. I got something greater than the emerging church. I've got a pastor in my life. Don't talk to me about the deceivers amongst us. I'm going to make some of you upset here. I don't understand this. But my response to that is, thank God for the voice of a prophet. Thank God for a prophetic voice. Oh, the heaviness. What about worship service? Don't buy into that lie. That depression that's come against your church is going to destroy it. You need to wake up and understand that the Bible said, I'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You're doing more than clapping your hands. You're doing more than doing a jig. You're driving that devil of depression out. I don't know where I'm at, but I don't buy into this phony baloney that talking in tongues one time is enough to get you through. I got news for you. The only way we're going to get through the weak times that we're living in and all of the temptation that's coming against us, you better get your Bible and open up and read it. God's equipped this church so that we can be predestined to win. He said when you talk in tongues, you edify yourself. We can combat weakness. We just got to get people that will get in the spirit. We just got to get young people that know how to pray in the Holy Ghost. We got too many people talking on the phone and not talking in tongues. You can help me or just stand there and look like a tree full of hoot owls. It's the truth. I said we got too many people talking about their problems and emailing about their problems. Well... The church, the church is being overloaded with trouble. Is she going to make it? Yeah, she's going to make it. If you get your nose out of Facebook and get your face in the book. Yeah, the church is going to make it. Talk to me about the things that's breaking the church up when this thing just sits up on your shelf and gathers dust. the church is dealing with darkness let me remind you if you'd familiarize yourself with this book it's more than just a collection of fairy tales it said Lord thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path my God what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to convince some young people that the enemy's convinced I'm trying to reconvince you I'm trying to tear some stuff out of your mind your church is not going to stay little your church is not going to stay small your church is not going under it's on its way up the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church I don't know why I keep coming back to this. But young person, you need to understand whose side God's on. And it's not the rebellious reprobates. So you know what God's going to do? I'm prophesying to you right now. You ready? I want you to go home and look for it. Because it's going to happen. It ain't got nothing to do with marks. It's got everything to do with Jesus. But you go home and get your head up. Because God's about to plug three people in to everyone that walks.
I wish I could get somebody to believe that right now. And young person, there's a reason. There's a reason the pastor took them off the drums. There's a reason he made them put the guitar up. There's a reason he pulled her out of the choir. And you need to love them. But you also need to understand. You better find you somebody else for a while to spend your time with. Because nothing more the devil would like to make you feel sorry. You don't need to protect them young people. Expose them. Some of them scared to death right now. And they're praying you're not hearing Brother March. You're not hurting them if you're exposed. I'm not talking about talking to everybody else in the youth group about it. I'm telling you, go to them and talk to them about it. And tell them if I don't see you in a few days, turn this around. You and I think to go talk to the bishop about it. There's bad apples in every bunch. There's a Judas in the midst of the twelve. But what you need to understand, get your eyes off the presence of the enemy and look at the prepared table. I don't want some of you to be discouraged, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. The enemy's not going away. Do you hear me? He's not going away. There's always going to be the presence of some kind of demonic force. But you have a promise in the 23rd Psalm. God has prepared a table before me. Come on, young person. Quit spending your time dwelling on all the devils. And pull up to the table. There's a hundred soul revival coming. There's a youth group Dublin coming. But you got to get to the table. It promises that the enemy would go away. He said, but I can prepare a table right in the midst of the enemy. Some of you come to this meeting, you've been scratching the claw and swinging and biting and pulling hair. You've been spending so much time fighting the devils in your city. You haven't taken the time to turn around long enough to realize God has prepared a banquet for this apostolic movement. I'm talking about the glory of the latter house. Come on, young people. I'm talking about blinded eyes open. I'm talking about people getting up out of wheelchairs and walking. He's equipped the church with what it's going to take to go all the way as he's predestined. I thank God for worship. Thank God for the fivefold ministry. I thank God for our pastors. I thank God for our worship services. I thank God for offering time. I thank God. For testimony service. I thank God that we still call for the elders of the church and lay hands upon the sick. How many young people are thankful? I'm not interested in selling these things. But, and I understand that everything I'm saying is going to be used against me in the court of all the forums. 
But I ain't worried about that tonight. And please don't make me have to explain everything. Just let me say it how I feel. Well, we thank God for all these things. I read to you in the 127th Psalm that there's another weapon in our apostolic arsenal that keeps the enemy at bay, that keeps him from breaking into our youth groups. He didn't say it was the musicians and the gate that contended with the enemy. In case you hadn't, in case you hadn't figured it out by now, I'm kind of old fashioned and before I get done, you're going to realize I'm real old fashioned. He, he didn't say that the screaming guitar was going to keep the enemies out of the gate. I know where I'm headed and I know what God wants to do in this meeting tonight. Okay. And before we get done, we may bounce off the walls and froth at the mouth. But I'm going to tell you something. It's the will of God. It is the perfect will of God that something happens. And it's been the precedent of this, of this meeting. The trend's already been set. The direction's already been set. God wants to raise up young people that walk out of this conference and make a difference in your city. Period. I love the bass guitar, I love the drums, but he didn't say the bass guitar, the drums would keep the enemy out of the gates. I thank God for the faithful seasoned saints in our church. I thank God for our elders. I thank God for the ministry. I thank God for the fivefold ministry. But he didn't say these things would contend with the enemies in the gate. And I understand that most of us are familiar with this text because it's used in baby dedications and it's applicable. But if you allow me, let me use it in a spiritual sense. Brother Johnson, I think the thing that we're missing, that we've got to reacquaint ourselves with, is the weapon of personal evangelism and so in a... We are so talented. I am tired of hearing people talk about how talented our kids are. And I know they are and I'm thankful that they are. But God gave you that talent for you to do more than just be able to pay that keyboard by ear. God gave you that talent, young person, for you to do more than just play that guitar by ear. Young lady, God gave you that beautiful voice for more than just to sing front line on Sunday night and lead in the choir. And so we got our hands full of guitars and drumsticks and I've been to churches, they got six drummers lined up against the wall. You make an altar service, you make an altar call and they got six drummers lined against the wall waiting for the next guy to get tired. And I'm screaming and hollering and sweating through a shirt after I done preached for 45 minutes trying to scramble and pray for everybody in the altar. It is my personal belief and I propose to this peak conference 2010 the reason and I have a problem because the Bible says greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world and I have a problem when it looks like hell's prevailing. That may not bother you. You may be able to explain that away but as a 29 year old young preacher that bothers me. 
But you know, there it bothers me when we have promises that we can pick up anything dead and it shall not harm us. We have promises to put the enemy under our foot. And then I step into these churches and there's adultery everywhere and there's fornication everywhere and there's young people texting nude pictures of one another and people caught up in pornography and the church is bound up and there's more divorce in the apostolic church than it's ever been before now brother coon i don't have gray hair i'm just a young man but i'm gonna tell you something i don't care if we call ourselves conservative or not this is going on and we can't pull the covers over our head and act like it's not happening You can preach about how holy your church is, but there are spirits loose and conservative churches where ladies look like holiness on Sunday night and then they got a pair of pants on on Monday. That bothers me. Where does that hypocrisy get in? Where does that rebellion get in? Where do young people get in their minds that their pastor can believe it's straight and they take what they want and leave what they want? Brother Godair, fancy pants preaching is not going to keep the enemy out of our gates. There's nothing more that I love to sit down and to hear somebody that's studied and somebody that's prepared. There's nothing more I like to hear than a good message that you can tell that there's been a lot of time that's been spent on it. But you better hear me, young preacher. You better hear what I'm telling you. The devil will destroy your ministry. He'll destroy your family. You'll never have a revival worth anything. You'll never pastor a church over 50 people. If you try to keep the enemies out of the gate with your fancy pants preaching, you better get to the prayer I propose to you the reason one of of the reasons of the onslaught of this demonic stuff in our churches is we've tried to replace teaching Bible studies with Rick Warren's fancy programs yeah I said it and I don't have any problem with him and he's got some good things to say but he's not apostolic We've tried to replace the importance, young people, of personal evangelism. We've tried to replace it with hype. I've never seen so much hype and fluff and cheerleading in all of my life. We could stop that mess if somebody would get a Bible study chart. Somebody would go knock a door and you would pile in about 25 drug addicts. But them little bus kids will get our church dirty. Well, tell me you ain't got money to run a bus route when you drive a $60,000 Lincoln. Brother, go there. You going to help me? All right. If everybody else leaves me, you going to help me right here. I'm afraid we've ingrained in our kids and not even realize what we've indoctrinated with them with. I got news for you young people. Holiness is right. You need to understand it. You need to know where the scriptures are. But you better also understand he gave you power to become witnesses.
Witnesses! Young lady, leave the scissors out of your hair. But on the flip side of it, go knock a door in your neighborhood and win somebody to God. They're afraid. You're afraid they're going to make your church less holy. Here, how apostolic you think you are? If there's not somebody that smells like smoke in your church every once in a while, you're not apostolic. I believe our dress links ought to be right. I believe our sleeve links ought to be right. I believe our clothes shouldn't be tight. But I'm going to tell you something. My God, what good have we done if we've taught our kids the things it takes to be holy and we hadn't put into their heart that God created us to multiply and be fruitful? And I don't want this to be misunderstood. And mama, you can't, you can't relinquish. You can't let down. Don't lose your backbone. But you got to do more than tell those babies, go back to your room. That split's too high. Hold on. Hold on. Hear me out. You got to be able to do more than tell her to go back in there and change because it's a little too tight. They're in every one of our cities. And they're slowly taking over. And we see them and we've mocked and we've laughed fun of them. They wear their little white shirts with their little black ties. And they get on their bikes. And they pedal through our cities. Pouring down rain. Hair matted to their face. I've been in Denver in the middle of winter. I'm talking about in the bitter, the most bitter part of the year, Brother Erskine. And they're bundled up. And I've yet to talk to one of them, Bishop. I've yet to talk to one of them that sounded like that they were doing what they were doing out of drudgery. I've seen them when it looked like their lips were purple from being cold in Denver during the middle of winter. And I've stopped to talk to them in Walmart as they're trying to catch a little heat. And they stand there smiling. Finally, I got a couple of them boys to talk to me. I said, would you please talk to me? I said, I have the opportunity at times to talk to large groups of young people. What is it that drives you? Why do you get on this bike? Do they make you do this? Are you doing this out of obligation? Are you getting paid to do this? And them boys lit up. They smiled, freezing cold, but they smiled from ear to ear. And one of those boys told me, he said, my mama told me, my mama told me, one of my first memories of my mother is my mama telling me, boy, one day you're going to grow up. And one day you're going to reach the world. One day you're going to grow up. One day you're going to evangelize the world. One day. You better be able to do more than tell that young man that he can't play organized sports. You better be able to do more than tell that young man to get the hair off of his ear. Daddy, you better start early telling them boys, God's going to use you. God's going to use you. God's going to use you. God's going to use you to reach the world. I know it looks like somebody unholy to you. Three weeks after they get the Holy Ghost and they're standing there with tattoos down their neck and they hadn't been there long enough to understand they need to take the stud out of their tongue. Some of you never going to have revival because your church is too holy to have revival. 
And you notice the wording. I said your church. Your church. Because that that stinking attitude, you're not pastoring God's church. And to you it just looks like it just looks like a big old stud in their tongue and earrings and tattoos down their neck and they're standing there half dressed and you're thinking, My God, my kids are looking at her, she needs to get some clothes on. You're standing there scorning and looking down your nose at that baby standing there, tongue flopping in her mouth, talking in tongues. You may not like it, but it terrifies hell. It terrifies hell. I tell you why some of your pastors are having to deal with so many saints that are whining and complaining and constantly bellyaching and never and nothing is ever good enough for them. It's because they're not involved in soul winning. Because if you get involved in soul winning, it's got a way of bringing everything else into perspective. Don't you think her skirt's a little short? My God, she's a baby. It looks like a short skirt to you on a new convert, but the demons in your city can't stand it when she shows up in the prayer room while you're still fixing your hair. You're standing out in the parking lot. Come on, young people. Standing out in the parking lot talking about the latest hero. Talking about the latest Hollywood star. Talking about your new, your new duty this and your new duty that. In the meantime, we're looking down our nose when church starts at that new convert up there that's hucking and bucking. The devil's scared to death of that. He's contending with the enemies in the gate. I got to where I couldn't go to meetings anymore. I was dumb, young, and ignorant, and I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't want to associate with some of the people, big percentages of the people that showed up some of the meetings I went to. That quick, bite a waitress's head off. Hateful and mean. This going wrong and that going wrong and eating this one for dinner and eating that one for dinner. I ain't lying to you, as an 18-year-old evangelist, I started looking around all this, and Brother King, I started, I don't know if I want to be like this when I get 50. You know why they get like that? You know why they get depressed? You know why narcotics has swept through the conservative? You can be quiet, I know, I, I deal with it on a weekly basis. Narcotics. They're not smoking dope or running a, uh, running a needle in their vein, but they're popping pills to sleep. They're popping pills to go to work. They're popping pills to stay awake. Why? Because you got to go up another scripture. It says, happy is the man whose quiver is full of babies. If you're having revival, you can't help but be happy. If you're winning souls, you can't help but be happy. Hallelujah. 
I can tell you after 15 weeks why you can look at the goat heirs and they still have straight backs and they're full of vigor and they're full of life. I can tell you why I was there 14 weeks and these people are all about babies. They're all about revival. They're all about getting the quiver full. Some people can't get their quiver full. Arrows in this text was a type of souls. The Bible says arrows, babies. The tiller are like arrows in the hand of a mighty archer. Some people don't feel their quivers because they're too selective. Oh, don't go there. I am going to go out. Young people, if your mom and dad don't want to hear this, you hear me this. The church is not going to prevail. But I'll tell you something. The, the, the gates of hell is not going to prevail against the church. But let me, let me go ahead and break it down a little bit more for you. They may disagree, but you're going to agree with me. Let me just go, a bit, go ahead and add a little something. A little, add a little something here. The gates of hell shall not prevail against a church that is not prejudiced. I know, I know, I know, I know. He's moved to California and it's all gone to his head. You don't know how it is. We live in the South. It's like that in the South because you let it be like that in the South. Some of you's leaving me right now. Where'd your shout go? I got news for you. They didn't have ancient weaponry. You go study it. They didn't have one size arrow. They had some long arrows and they had some short arrows and they had some fat arrows and they had some skinny arrows. They had all different diameters and lengths of arrows in ancient weaponry. Their quiver was to be full of all types of shapes and lengths. Why? I hope a Mexican devil don't show up at your church because all of your starchy white folks... Hallelujah. We got our little, our little quivers full of all of those people from the right side of town. And the fletchings are just right. And there's not any scars. And there's not any bumps on these arrows. And these arrows look nice. They're crisp and straight. I'm going to tell you, what you need to do is get you some folks out of the project. You need to start... You want to get the devil stirred up? You need to get your work in the project. You go ahead. You go ahead and keep pastoring the same amount of people you've been pastoring for 20 years. And let the people on the projects go to hell if you want. But you ask me to come to your city and I'm just forewarning you. I'm fixing to get some people over there in those unevangelized areas. We got to get some babies in the game. Young people, just let me tell you, the gates of hell shall prevail against the prejudice church. Because they're going to they're have something come against them. And they're going to reach in the quiver. She bust up. She bust up in their little cute church service. She bust up in their little cute church service. All of a sudden the room falls silence. And she throws that bottle to the ground. And she busted. And she starts taking the oil from that vessel. And pouring it on his head. 
she do it? They can't act. Doesn't she know? Don't they know she's a prostitute? She can't act like that. My answer to you is, you didn't see what happened last night. You don't know what Jesus did for you. You don't know the devils. You don't know the devils. See, the reason... The reason we got to keep people like this in our gates and keep people like this in our church is because we get over being saved. Well, don't he know that it's time to take up the offering right now? What? I've had pastors pull me by the shirt and say, aren't you going to shut him down? No, I ain't going to shut him down. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou might steal the enemy and the avenger out of the mouth of babes. Out of the mouth of babes. But we're so holy and we're so saved. I want to ask you a question. When Jesus decided to show back up after his death, did he show himself to the holy folks? I said, don't make me preface everything I'm saying. Most of you know me, and if you don't know me, come talk to me after church. I believe it as strong as anybody in this building. I'm not making light of holiness. But I'm going to tell you, for long enough, conservative apostolics have stood behind our pharisaical pride of our separation. Wait, wait. That's justification of why there's no babies in our churches. Wait. The guy that sat back and scorned ended up spilling his guts, splitting hell wide open. And the one that was, hadn't lost her fanaticism, he stopped him and he said, from this day forward when the gospel's preached. That's what it says. From this day forward when the gospel's preached. Acts 2.38, one God, Jesus' name, baptism. Let this be told in memorial. You know what he was saying? Have Acts 2.38. Have water baptism in Jesus' name. But never forget the importance of babies. I wonder what would happen tonight, Brother Young, if the master of the vineyard Decided to walk in and out of the rows of his farm. Young people, I wonder what would happen. He walks up to the fig tree. It's full of leaves. But when he starts pulling back the leaves, where's the figs? And that's the, that's the greenest fig tree I've seen in a long time. Where's the figs? It looks apostolic. Sounds apostolic. Where's the figs? Foliage? But no fruit? Leaves? But no lives? Looks like a fig tree. Looks apostolic. Sounds apostolic. Preaching sounds apostolic. Songs sound apostolic. But I'd hate for God to walk in this conference tonight. And start pulling back the uncut hair. You say, you say, but Brother Mark's, Mark's 
edition of this story says that it wasn't the time of the figs. But if you study really what the theologians believe there, what they say was, what he's really saying there is, it was a season for figs, but it just wasn't a very good season. So it was a down year. And so he comes in here and he starts pulling back the foliage looking for fruit. And immediately we start saying, but, but God, it's been the worst financial year we've... But, but, but God, there's, there's been more going in our youth group. But, but my, two, my two greatest financial guys moved away. Young person, but, but my mom and dad split this year. Everybody else backslid and I'm the only one. I hear you, baby, but where's the fruit? I read something today I, didn't ever, I never realized, Brother King. There's some theologians that believe one of the reasons this fig tree couldn't produce fruit is it stood alone. Fig trees can't bear fruit standing alone. And we think we can have this lone ranger mentality and have revival. And we got people, we got churches 20 miles away. And our folks can't even speak to one another in the Walmarts. Brother, Brother Marx has never been a pastor. Doesn't he understand what ethics is? Yeah, but I also understand what apostolic is too. Wait, and we got to quit being so afraid of one another. I'm not preaching for your response yet. Listen. One of the reasons we're so barren is we're scared to death of one another. If one fig tree stands alone, there's no cross-pollination. There's still doesn't change the fact that there's beautiful foliage, but there's no fruit. It still doesn't change the fact that Jesus cursed the tree because it had no fruit. Now, I'm not doing this con- to condemn, but I'm going to show you something. You young people that are standing, I want you just to squat or kneel down. If you're, if you're near a seat, I want you to, to sit down. And I want you to respond by standing to my questions. Young people, if you believe prayers essential to apostolic revival, I want you to stand all over the house. Sit down. Young people, if you believe praise and worship is imperative in order to be apostolic, I want you to stand. Sit down. Young people, if you believe in apostolic authority and you believe in the office of a pastor and you believe you can't be saved without a pastor, I want you to stand. Okay, oh. if you believe in miracle signs and wonders, I want you to wave your hands. Okay, wait. If you believe this is the last day church, wave your hand. Okay, sit down. If you believe we're really close to the rapture, I want you to stand up. Sit down. How many young people right now are actively teaching a Bible study? I want you to stand.
Go clap. Go clap. Wait, 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 wait. How many, again, how many want revival? Wave your hand. If you want revival, wave your hand. Sit down. Sit down. How many young people in this building? I understand what I'm fixing to say. And I'm not doing this to condemn. I prayed much about this before I used this example. I want young people to stand and say, I've won a soul and I've discipled them and they're in the church today. Would you stand? Are we really apostolic? Where's the fruit? Another one of the reasons that a fig tree won't produce is the over amount of hydrogen and the fertilizer. You can over fertilize a fig tree to the point that it looks green, but it won't bear fruit. And we've hyped so much stuff in Pentecost that we got orchards full of green trees and no offspring. The Bible has become a history book to us and not a textbook. We are called, we're the royal priesthood. And I read something, and I'm I'm just about 10 minutes from done. I read about something about the priesthood. We are now the New Testament priesthood, the old priesthood around his garments for the young. He had nine bells and nine pomegranates. Brother Wilson, they were alternated between a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, and a pomegranate. There was a reason, Sister Wilson, there wasn't just 18 bells. Because if there was 18 bells, it wouldn't be anything but a bunch of noise. And I believe in our apostolic worship, but I'm going to tell you something. There ought to be worship, outreach, worship, Bible studies, worship, bus routes, worship. Because, wait, 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 because if you're... If every other thing around the garment is not fruit, you better have more than just bells. I close with this. I had a lot more to preach, but I'm I'm done. I was 10 weeks in revival with pastor and sister, Johnny Godair. You say 254 people get the Holy Ghost in that meeting. One of the greatest meetings I've ever been in my life. Week 10 of that meeting, we'd had a great Sunday night service and the Godairs, I had gone out to eat. There was an uneasiness in my stomach and I just knew something was going on. I didn't know if it was back at home. I didn't know. I just kept pleading the blood over my kids and wife. Listen to me, young people. This is where it's at. We can bounce off these walls and scream and holler until it pierces our ears. But if we don't go home and change our cities. Wait. And I'm going to prophesy something right now. And I hope I'm not out of my place. I'm throwing something out there I felt in prayer. There has got to become an evangelism arm to this youth committee. You know what I envision today? I envision 2,000 young people. Blitz in a city at peak. Wait, now I'm not preaching for response. Well, that'll take away from a basketball timer. That'll take away. What happens if every once in a while Friday night at peak turns into mass crusade? At wait, wait. After two thousand kids have spent a couple of days for a couple of hours, just a couple of hours, strategically canvassing a city. Well, I got kids 
that need preached to. And I got kids that are rebellious and I got kids with problems. Exactly. That's what I'm preaching. Your kids' problems will be fixed if you'll get them involved in the work of God. You get a kid on fire about winning souls and he'll get rid of his spirit of rebellion. I'm, wait, I'm not trying to get out of my place, but what have we done when we keep having meetings and we keep preaching what we're supposed to do and we don't do it? Brother Booker, am I off base? What would it be like in here tonight? We'd have to go to a big arena. A bigger arena. Oh well. What would it feel like? What would what would it feel like if we had this many apostolics packed in a coliseum on top of about a thousand or fifteen hundred raw sinners? Godares took me back to my room. I couldn't sleep. Spirit of intercession got on me and I just Travail and travail until literally I, I just, God, you got to take this away or it's going to kill me. I'm physically going to pass out from the strain of this. And I remember looking over and it was about close to 1 a.m. in the morning and finally I, I guess I passed out. And at 1.58, somewhere around there, my eyes come back open and immediately I began to travail again. I sit up on the edge of the bed and I said, God, I got to have some relief. You got to talk to me. I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is all about. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what's going on, and I felt like the Lord impressed me to get up and get dressed, and I got up and got dressed. This has changed me, folks. I'm not the same evangelist. I'm not the same man. I got in that old brown Dodge, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I started driving. A few minutes later, I, not even realizing where I went, I was sitting in the parking lot at Duke University. I thought it had something to do with Duke. I was praying, God, if there's an open door here, help us to... To meet the right person, help us get something started here. Just burden for Duke, burden for North Carolina, burden for that triangle. God, you got to do something. There's kids from all over the world at this place. And finally, it started lifting. I thought, okay, it's gone. I'm going to go home. I put the truck and drive. And just as I was about to pull out of the parking lot, I looked back up into the campus. And there was a sidewalk. And I will frequently go back there so I don't forget what I'm preaching to you tonight. There was one sidewalk lamp with a bench underneath it. And there was a man sitting on there on the bench. And something just told me to get out and go talk to him. I thought, okay, 2, 2.30 in the morning. But what I got to lose? Here we go. So I got out of the truck and I walked across the parking lot. And I got from about here to the end of this platform. And I seen a, a little Chinese man sitting with his legs crossed and a Bible open in his lap. And I stepped up to him and he didn't even hardly look up. And I said, sir, I said, my name's Cody Marks. And he said, I'm Chan Ling. And I said, I said, I'm a minister. And I said, if you would like, I said, I, I know some things. God's given me some understanding of the scripture. And, and if you'd let me, I'd like to share those things. And all of a sudden, I seen this scorn, this scowl come across his face, and I thought, my God. And this is what he said. He said, well, I'd say you're almost too late. And I said, excuse me? He said, well, I said, you're almost too late. I said, too late, sir. And he said, yeah. And, and then he began to rail. 
the most life-changing preacher that I've ever had in my life, sitting cross-legged, a sinner man with a Bible in his lap started railing on me. He said, you see that Honda over there? He said, it's loaded down. He said, I've been here five years now. He said, six years ago, he said, I'm from Red China. He said, six years ago, he said, my family got a hold of a holy Bible. He said, we were scared to ask anybody about its contents or its meanings, but we felt like there was something real about it. He said, our grandmother, my grandmother told me six years ago, said, boy, said, when you go to America, said, you're going to find the God of this book. He looked at me and he said, with his chin quivering, he looked at me, Brother Coon, and he said, I've been here five years. He said, I've sat in your Starbucks with this Bible open. He said, I've sat in your malls. He said, I've sat innumerable days on this very bench with this Bible open. He said, I've gone to the busiest places in your city. He said, I've gone where I was vivid and exposed to large crowds with this Bible open. And he said, in five years, he said, I've never had one person. And he said, I decided to sit here one more time. He said, my plane leaves at 7.30 out of Raleigh-Durham on Delta Airlines. He said, I've got to be there at 6.30. He said, I've got my car loaded. He said, I'm on my way back to China. He said, but I just was coming to the conclusion that apparently the God of this book doesn't exist. I lost it. I rolled off the bench into his lap. I didn't care. And I began to wail. Brother Marks, why would you wail? Because Brother Johnson, for 10 weeks, I'd been sliding in just in time for church, flying across the country in a plane, hot shot. Mr. Hot Shot! Climbing off a plane, straight, straightening my tie with my freshly shined pointy-toed shoes, grabbing my alligator skin computer bag, grabbing my carry-on, pulling my coat on and buttoning it and strolling through that airport and walking up in that church that I hadn't done anything to build and preaching my little message. Going to my little fancy restaurant and eating like a fat cat and going and getting my eight hours of sleep. And I hadn't touched her Never had crossed my mind, Booker, to walk across Duke University. What are you doing, Brother Marks? The Holy Ghost spoke to me a long time ago about this meeting and said what he wants to do is raise up flaming, fired up evangelists. I'm not talking about evangelists. You know what your church needs? Your church doesn't need a West of Jackson revival. Your church doesn't need a Cody Marks revival. Your church is full of evangelists. Young people, quit blaming it on your pastor. Quit blaming it on the fact that you're in the Bible Belt. You gonna help me? Quit blaming it on this and that. If you want revival, do something about it. Well, if my pastor preached like him, if we had music like the rock church, if our choir could sing like North Little Rock, you've missed it. 
Well, if Cody Marks come preach us 14 weeks, I'm going to tell you right now, I, and I, I'm not worried about my job security. You put Cody Marks out of business. If every church in this fellowship would make up in their mind, I'm going to be a personal soul winner. I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to have more than just a covering. I started wailing repenting in his lap I felt the tantalizing tap of his hand on my back trying to console me and finally I rolled back up in the bench and he looked at me in his broken English brother Adams and he said if you got something to tell me you better hurry up and tell me so I started talking to him about the love of God and the judgments of God I talked to him about Adam and Eve and I talked to him about when when they trespassed and the love of God and the judgments of God collided and for the first time we see mercy and I talked about how his mercy love said I can't kill him judgment said I gotta kill him I said but mercy said surely there's a way out of this and I said so he grabbed an innocent lamb and I said he ripped the bloody skin off of it And I said it was a type of what was to come. And I started talking to him about Jesus Christ being the ultimate sacrifice to reunite the breach between God and man. And all of a sudden I began to hear that little Asian. I began to hear him weeping. And these were the words I heard him saying, God, I'm sorry for being such a dirty man. And in the midst of saying dirty man, I could tell his chin was beginning to quiver. And all of a sudden he stopped me. He said, you're going to have to stop me long enough to explain to me why I'm being overcome by the same emotions you are. He said, I feel like I'm wanting to talk Chinese, but it's not Chinese. I started talking to him about the Holy Ghost. Chan Ling. Right not far from you, not far from you, Brother Kenny Godair, on Duke University, raised his hands in the middle of the night, and I laid my hand on his head, and he started talking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. I grabbed him. We jumped. We danced. We shouted. We screamed. Were there things going on in your personal life? You better know it. Were devils fighting you? You better know it. But I can tell you at that moment, I felt like I could take any devil in hell on. At that moment, I felt like I could take any devil in hell on. Pastor's wife, let me give you a bit of advice. Quit laying awake at night, tossing and turning over those billy goats in their church. They've been billy goats the last 15 years. And they're going to be stiff-necked billy goats until the rapture. Get your mind off of them. Why don't you get your hands on some babies? Start handling those friends, people. Start handling those new people that are praying through. Young lady, you want to find your joy in life? Nathan, Brother Holmes, I'm sorry. Hand in hand, we walked all the way to that, that old Honda. Man, I felt like I, Brother Deej was on top of the mountain. You know why? I had a baby in the gate. Devil can't get in if I got a baby in the gate. We're standing at the door. 
We're standing at the door of that little maroon Honda, probably a 91 model. And I said, wait, Chan, listen, you got to have more than the Holy Ghost. I said, you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, I don't have time. And so I explained to him what to do. He said, I promise you. He said, I promise you, preacher marks. He said, when I get home, he said, I will be baptized. And if I personally have to do it, he said, I will baptize everyone in my family in Jesus' name. Wait. He goes to close the door and this is what he says. Pay attention to me, not the singers moving. This is what he says. He said, go tell your people that we're here in mass numbers. And we're coming in mass numbers. He said, and we look different. We have different traditions. We have different tastes. We wear different clothes. But tell your people, just because we look different, doesn't mean that we don't need the same God they've got. Brother Marks, how relative is this? You got young people that are rebellious here. You got young people that need the Holy Ghost. You got young people that are thinking about running away. You got young people that are fornicating. You got young people that are messing with alcohol on the weekends. How relative is it to preach soul winning on Friday night at peak? You got, you got the representation of all kinds of problems in this generation. I know. But I also know that if we can get our kids involved in more than just what they feel like is rules and restrictions. I'm not, a, I'm not a perfect dad, but I can't preach this without practicing it. So I got a five-year-old. He's smarter than a whip. And I've already started telling him, boy, you may not be a preacher like daddy, but one of these days, you're going to grow up and you're going to fill a pew up. One of these days, son, God's going to give you a job. And whatever that job is, God's going to give you favor on that job. And you're going to pray people through to the Holy Ghost on that job. Brother Marks, are you teaching him the doctrine? Ask him how many gods there are. Are you teaching him not to watch TV? You better believe it. One of the first things he said before he could even say very many things at all is he'd get up and start preaching and he'd he preached no TV. And I remember the night it got me. Hear me. I remember the night it got me, Brother Godair. I want him to understand the evils of television. But what's wrong with my boy saying, you got to win souls. Don't watch TV. But you got to win souls. Don't go to the movies. But you got to have fruit. Young person, you think, well, if I could just get married, it'd fix this. Or if somebody just lay their hand on me, it'd fix this. Or if dad had come home, it'd fix this. Or if mom would straighten her act up, it'd fix this. Or 
if I could get a job, it'd fix this. Or if God would give me some direction about college, it would fix this. Or if I wasn't so lonely, it would fix this. No, let me tell you how to fix it. Go home. Get you a bus route. Go home. Get involved in Saturday morning and afternoon visitation. Oh no. I want to ask you. Are you comfortable having beautiful foliage? Why would he have them, Brother Pixler, cut it down? Because it was occupying up space. It was sucking the nutrients out of the soil that something that was being fruitful could have absorbed. Do you want that? Do you want to be like that? Just somebody that just sucks all the energy out of the service, and, but yet you're just occupying space? You see, the most interesting thing about a fig tree to me is that the fruit, Brother Shoemaker, always preceded the leaves. Fig trees always had figs on them before, they, before the leaves ever showed up. But if the figs are not there, notice, hear me apostolics, hear me conservatives, if you don't have fruit, you don't have leaves. It had the most beautiful foliage, but because it didn't have fruit, he smote it. And that beautiful foliage, it was gone. It withered up. Young person, we're living holy. Listen to me, I'm closing. We're living holy unto God, first of all. The second reason we live holy is to keep ourselves pure. And undefiled by the world. So that we're healthy where we can reproduce spiritually. Holiness is not about you standing back and scowling at somebody that's not as holy as you. Your holiness is to position you in a place where you're healthy. Are there any mom and dads that just wave at me that say, I believe what you're preaching right now? Any pastors help me right now? Okay. We don't have much room. We're going to have to make this whole place an altar. There's still some room in the aisles for some of you that just want to pile in here. Here we go. Here's what I want you to do. And I don't know where this is going to go, and I'll direct traffic as long as we want to go here. This may end up in Huck and Buck, and I don't know. But right now, we we got to we got to let the, the Holy Ghost get this in our spirits, because if we're not winning souls, we're not apostolic. So, here's young people, look at me, and I'm done. I'm, here it is. If you want it just a little bit, then you just pray a little bit. If you want it just this much, then you just give that much. I'm going to set this mic down, and when I set this mic down, that's going to signify to you that you signify to God how bad you want it by the volume, the desperation of your voice as you cry out for your family, your city, 
your neighborhoods? How bad? I mean, it's just how bad do you want it? I mean, if you want it just a little bit, just cry a little bit. Okay, I'm going to set the mic down. Here I go. All heaven and hell. Here we go. How bad do you want it? Here we go. Now. Sinners, go! I can't hear you.